Hey everyone, in this special edition episode of History Unloaded with Ashley and Danny. Ooh, I put my name first for once. Put myself first. We are gonna talk about Thanksgiving, sort of, and game meat recipes and how you can put a twist on your Thanksgiving dinner. But probably not because this is coming out like two days before Thanksgiving. Yeah, you might you might be a little bit pressed for time if you're only playing. You have to go hunting too. <laughs> if you have to go hunting, get your tags and make dinner and invite all your friends over. But not in that order. But get not in tags. any of that order. <laughs> so is this a is this an, an annual tradition now, or have we only done this once randomly before and we're just declaring it a tradition? Did I call it a tradition? I, I don't know. We've done this like fall episode, like recipe episode before. I don't know if we've Yeah, I don't know if it was year. Thanksgiving. I think we only did it once before. All right. Well, I'm gonna pretend it's an annual tradition that we've done every year and we're gonna roll with that. Yeah. Every <laughs> year we share our special hunting recipes. Which is actually kind of tough for me this year because I've only gotten an antelope so far and hopefully by the time this episode comes out I have gotten an elk but so far it's only been an antelope I am still eating my our elks from years ago which I don't know if that's safe but it's fine it's fine disclaimer don't store your food like we do and then well, I haven't gotten sick yet, knock on wood. And then uh, Mark uh, had a work-related hunt. And so I have a bunch of pheasants. Oh, that's so cool. that's, yeah, that's exciting. Uh, I'm a little disappointed though, um, because the place that he was shooting at, they um, they don't give you the pheasants that you hunted. They just give you like, here's a bunch of pheasants that were hunted on our property and like he shot more than the like amount that they sent us and i just don't think that's fair and then they skinned them which i guess is easier if they're plucking them or whatever like to send out to everybody but i got them and i was like yay and i like spent hours studying how to properly like cook a pheasant how to crisp the skin and then i get this little bird out and it's just like the rib cage and the breasts and stuff and i'm like oh what is this (laughs) objection (laughs) i was like this is not what i signed up for it is it's just like a like a freestanding like rib cage and like the breast meat so so now that we're already on pheasant what is your like pheasant recipe now Oh, I don't know. I only cooked it once, but I'm doing a Friendsgiving on Friday and I'm not serving any turkey because everyone's going to eat turkey the next week. Uh, Well, that was probably pretty like, that's me assuming that everybody eats Thanksgiving. Um, But like, I was like, I want to do a twist on things. So my, you didn't ask, but my entire menu is thus. I'm, I'm doing, very excited for this. I'm, let's let's go. <laughs> Good. I'm doing charcuterie because why not? And we, Mark and I, were hungry when we went to Costco, so we bought pate. And then um, Costco. Kind of What's that? What kind of pate? I think chicken. Okay. I think it's not like pheasant pate that you made. No, 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 no. Like I said, they only gave me like a rib gauge. Gotcha. Um, and then uh, Costco was selling caviar, so we bought Costco caviar. Okay. And okay. I'm doing a blini board. <laughs> this is already, I'm excited about this. Already. this is, Please it's, it's what I call budget bougie. <laughs> and I have two, I have a, a Russian coming. She's actually making my blinis. And I've got a couple that met in Russia and lived in Russia. And I'm serving them Costco caviar. It's a suspicious amount of collusion going on for Thanksgiving, Ashley. 
Well, to be fair, the the Russian neighbor, which I think just made it worse, is actually Ukrainian. But it, when she lived in Ukraine, it was Russia. So oh oh, I don't know how well, you. There's a lot of. We should keep moving before we have yeah. too much. Anyways, anyways, okay. Unpack. So then I'm also making a crostini with uh, brushed truffle oil with goat cheese, crispy prosciutto, dates, and truffle honey. And then beyond that, let's get to the actual game meat. I just was excited about my. That's a lot of stuff to just move past. And remind me when you're done. I have a pate recipe that is not related to Thanksgiving. Ooh, but okay. Um, and then for dinner, I'm doing like a sampler plate. I was going to do small plates, but then that was like like 50 plates and I was not having it. So instead, I decided to just put it all on one plate, but still kind of like bite size. So I'm making a cauliflower and leek soup with a crispy prosciutto on top and chive. And then I'm going to do a caprese bite. So like just get one of those skewers and get the little like, you know, um, mozzarella balls and plum tomatoes or whatever and blah, whatever. And then I'm making uh, mini beef Wellingtons. So bite-sized beef Wellingtons. That sounds like an incredible amount of work. <laughs> Probably. I'm going to make everything the day before though. And all I have to do yeah. is cook, yeah, yeah. Bake, or cook, you know, the proteins. And then I'm making, uh, so you get like a mini beef Wellington with a little red wine demi and then a gorgonzola cream on top. I actually got it from an Instagram chef, Chef Genevieve. I don't know her. She does not pay me to say that, but it's, she's got some good stuff. And then I'm doing um, fe- like a little bit of pheasant breast with um, stuffing, sweet potato and gravy. And then I'm doing cranberry chili elk meatballs over mashed potatoes with a few green beans with French fried onions on the top. Are those the same elk meatballs you made? Did you make those for my wedding? Uh, no, those were the jalapeno peach. Okay. Okay. Good. But yeah, my elk meatballs have improved over the years too, but that's uh, impressive. They were really good the last time I had them. And that was three years ago. I love how gamey, like an elk meatball tastes, right? Like or elk meatloaf. Like it's just like, it just permeates through whatever sauce you've got, you know, so you can have a really powerful sauce, but you're like, this is not beef you know whereas like i feel like when you eat bison like well when you eat like you know restaurant bison um they soak it in buttermilk um you know i just feel like it doesn't taste right but like if you're eating my elk meatballs (laughs) that feels like a weird snl skit (laughs) (laughs) then you're gonna know (laughs) it does that is a weird skit title um so (laughs) Since ostensibly this was supposed to be like wild game harvest to keep it somewhat tangent because we both rifle hunt and don't bow hunt um, to keep it related. So what are the game, the actual game meats that are included is, I guess we shot, we firearms hunt is the more appropriate way. Um, Pheasant, elk, what else was in the game list for your menu? Oh, just pheasant and elk because I don't have anything else. I've got like some other stuff, like some bison from a friend, but I think. I don't want to go out and try to make bison Wellington because I just feel like that isn't going to be very chewable. The classic, the classic Thanksgiving meal of pheasant and elk and bison. Yes. Well, pheasant tastes like chicken, which tastes like Turkey. Um, I, I'm not willing to go that far. Well, that's her opinion. The breasts, when you like cut them off the bone, because I just, I cooked one on the bone and I cooked one like sliced off the bone and it was like, the same yeah. 
Um, and so, but it's tough because you're only supposed to cook it. Well, it's interesting. So like, if you go to like the NRA's recipes and stuff, it says to cook it, like you'd cook a chicken, like to 165, but then like hunt, gather, cook who I use like for everything. Um, he says 140, take it out at 140, let it come to 145. Like it can't like, you don't, it's like pork. He said, it's like, you know, it has to be cooked enough for you not to get sick, but then you should not be cooking that up to a chicken temperature. And so while I'm not giving you legal advice or I absolve myself of any, you know, tummy problems you may have, that is what I read. And I had it, I took it out at 140 and I honestly thought maybe I should have taken it out at 135 and just let it rest longer, but it was good. It was really, it was really juicy for being a really thin pheasant breast. Like I thought it was going to be like pigeon, you know, I keep calling it pigeon. Mark's like, Ashley making <laughs> pheasant, not, not not pigeon. pigeon. And I'm like, I wish I was serving pigeon because pigeon yeah. is amazing. Well, and I think pigeon used to be a lot more acceptable to eat, but I haven't. I mean, it still it. is a fancy restaurant. So you just call it squab. Isn't that the same thing? Sure. I feel like fancy restaurants play a lot of tricks on us. Yeah, no, but trust me, like if you watch any cooking show and they're like, they give you the option of proteins, like a good chef is like a uh, pigeon. I've seen it a bunch and people are like, why would they do that? And they're like, because it's way better meat than chicken if you have a poultry challenge. But anyways, so yeah, so for the elk meatballs, I guess I'll just, you didn't ask, but I'm going to tell you how I'm going to make them because I think that was the point of this. That was Um, the point of this. And then the elk, just so people know, I think it's Mark's elk at this point. I don't think, I think I gave you all of my elk, but- um, Is it a New Mexican elk? It is a New Mexican elk. It is a bull elk. Um, We don't have any cows. I would Does he have a name? Stuart. Cool. <laughs> weirdly, maybe not weirdly, weirdly, or I, I don't meet a lot of other hunters that name everything, but Kirsten and I have named everything that I've shot so far. Is that, does that go to our dark tourism episode? Like, what does that mean? I, I don't know, but we've, I'm a little, I'm almost immediately regretting saying that on a recording of the podcast. <laughs> oh, I feel like this, that we need to tell the, the the story that we tell all the time about the time that we were putting an antelope head in a bag in the, my front yard <laughs> as people drove by. It looked like we had a body too, like we the limbs and trash bags is not good. Well, uh, I guess now I have to tell the story. Okay. Um, so the and quick then I'll version, give you my recipes. Yeah. You, I'll do the story, then you do recipe. Okay. So the quick version, listeners, and if for those of you that listen to the podcast, are probably familiar with this predicament. Well, and uh, also if you listen to the podcast, you probably heard the story because we tell it all the time. But the story goes, I was new to hunting and we've talked about like our own experiences this was a couple seasons ago when we talked about our experiences, like getting into hunting as adults, which we both did. And I had no idea what I was doing, trying to process in the first animal I got, which was a buck antelope. That was the first thing I ever harvested. And the guy that I was with, was sort of showing me the ropes. We quartered it. So we took the quarters out and like the, the backstrap and the tenderloins with, you know, the legal requirements plus the quarters. Um, or no quarters are part of the legal requirements. Anyway, so we quartered it, took it out. And so I had antelope quarters and I had taken the head because in case he's like, well, if you want to get it mounted or whatever like that. And so I didn't, I was in an apartment without a chest freezer or anything to put this in yet. So I had to like, I called around to a couple of processors cause I didn't have anywhere. And like, they were all booked up and nobody would take me. Like I could, I didn't have any inroads. I didn't know a lot of people in town. So I'm like calling processors in town and they're all booked up with everybody's hunt season. 
So that wasn't working out. And so then I was like, I called around and got a friend to help me process it. But in the meantime, I had had to store it all in Ashley's chest freezer. Which so I think I had, I had just bought. <laughs> which you had just bought, which included the head because I didn't know what to do with it. And so then I'm like taking the quarters out to go get processed at my friend's house. And then I decided to give the head to the raptor program because live birds will, they accept meat from hunted animals. And so I was going to give the head for them um, for like they use it as an enrich enrichment tool, <laughs> which led to me unpacking, like unloading all of this out of Ashley's freezer and into my car on Ashley's like driveway and stuffing an antelope head, a severed antelope head <laughs> into a garbage bag it to was. take into work. And you know, in Wyoming, that's not weird, but like if we were, you know, I don't know, in California, probs a little weird. And at the time you lived like right on a pretty busy street. So it's just yeah. us stuffing a head into a bag in the middle of the daylight on a busy street. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. So back to what I'm going to do with my stuff. So I'm not the be all to end all. I'm not a chef, but this is kind of what I've been playing around with. So I was being, I'm, I'm honestly, because I've got so many plates I have to make for the pheasant, I'm just going to be lazy and air fry it. Um, I did it when I tried it last week. Um, from what I read, it said to do it at like 350 or whatever normal, you know, temperature that you do it. And then my air fryer actually has a, like a thermometer that goes into it and hooks up to the the air fryer. So I just set the temp. Um, so I sent the temp of the oven and then the temp I wanted to go to and it shuts off. Um, very nice. Oh my God. It's a mess. It's a ninja, but I don't know. It's really, really, I mean, it's amazing for like steaks. The only thing that you have to like, remember is it's going to go to temp and then it's going to rest. So you have to kind of like do calculations of like what temp, like steaks, you know, I almost always take them out like 10 degrees, you know, less than what I want it. Um, and then let it rest. And so I'm just going to do it in that. I'm just going to season it with, you know, fall seasonings, nothing fancy because I'm going to have gravy. I'm going to have a mashed sweet potato, which I normally do with a little bit of goat cheese. Um, and then stuffing. So I'm not, you know, it's not pigeon or I did it. Pigeon. Pheasant is not, I mean, it didn't have a very strong flavor to it. I mean, it really did like taste like juicy chicken. Um, and so nothing do, I'm not doing anything too special with that because I'm brand new to cooking pheasant. Um, uh, but for the meatballs, um, the way I make meatballs is, um, uh, I take the elk, um, I like to put stuff in it a lot. I used to just put raw onion in, but now I actually saute the onion um, in butter. And the butter is also a good fat component because the elk is um, lean. And so, and, and also you can, you can grate butter into it. You can also use bacon, um, but you kind of like, they always say you need to have like a little bit more fat in your like, you know, yak and elk and that kind of thing. So I saute the onion for this one. I'll probably also saute a jalapeno into it because I think like the spice from the, the cranberry chili and everything, I think it all goes together. I used to um, only cook the elk meatballs for like, oh, sorry, I got ahead of myself. Um, because my husband's keto, I either use almond flour or I grind up pork rinds instead for breadcrumbs and they both work well. I think the pork rinds are better in my opinion. And then you can either, I either use a duck egg because I can't eat, um, I almost said cow eggs. <laughs> I can't eat chicken eggs. And then I, um, but I recently just put some like coconut milk in cause I didn't have any eggs. Um, and that worked just fine. You just got to make sure the consistency is good, but I used to cook them for like 10 minutes until they were like just cooked. And now I've been cooking them 
like 350 for like longer, like 20 or so minutes so that they're actually a little bit more substantive. And there are recipes I have where I do it all in the pan as well. But the reason I want it to be more substantive is that I'll make the cranberry chili sauce, which I haven't quite figured out what's going to be in there. And then I'll put it in a crock pot and I'll slow cook it for like six hours. And that is amazing. Um, I did that with like barbecue meatballs and I was like, what, how did I not know that this was a thing? So that's how I'm making my game meat. So in the elk meatballs is duck egg, pork rind, elk, elk, um, seasonings, whatever you want. Yeah. And then, I was, I was just um, sauteed, the base, sa- it'll probably be sauteed onions and jalapenos. And I might might sneak a ghost pepper into my cranberry chili sauce if I feel like I'm not going to kill my guests. Um, that would probably kill me. Oh, like- no, I'm actually really good at it. I made it. I can make an elk chili now with ghost pepper. And the heat from a ghost pepper is so amazing. It's different than like any heat I've ever had. But if you make it correctly or you use the right proportion, it's not like, I mean, it's spicy. So like you have to like right. spicy food, but the heat on it is just like, I, I can't quite describe it, but it's so much better than just using jalapenos or habaneros in my opinion. And so I like, I would basically either put like, if I had a big pot of chili, I would put like half a ghost pepper in, or I'd put a whole one in depending on how much, you know, how brave I was feeling. And I was shocked at how not spicy it was and how good the spice was. Interesting. So I said at the beginning, as you described your charcuterie board, that I had a pate recipe. Yes. And it went terribly. But if anybody is brave, I think you could replicate it in other ways. So I got on a kick last year after harvesting another antelope, a theme that I've mostly become an okay antelope hunter, but nothing else yet, um, is that I tried to make antelope liver pate. Cause I was like on a kick. I'm going to like, cause the first one I took and we quartered it and like took the back strap. I was like, that was, you know, it, it was simple to do in the field, but I feel like I left a lot of meat out there. So the yeah. next one I got, I was like, I'm taking every ounce that I can conceivably get off of this thing. Um, and I included the organ meat. So I took the heart and um, antelope, antelope heart makes amazing tacos. Um, and I took the liver and I was going to try and do something with the liver. So I tried to do like the classic liver and onions. And that was, I couldn't antelope liver is very overpowering. Um, (laughs) So if you're looking for a game meat to start out with, and you're not, you're new to hunting and new to game meat in general, don't start with antelope liver. (laughs) It it was gross. Um, So then I was like, well, I'll make it into like a pate and, or like a, spread kind of deal and maybe like mild it out with like some other ingredients. Uh, and I, I thinking that that would, that I'd be able to stomach that a little better and still utilize this liver. I'd walked out of the field with. Um, so in this one, I basically mixed, I took, I chunked up part of the antelope liver, um, cooked it just like, I think what would be the equivalent of kind of rare, um, I read a lot of different opinions <laughs> on cooking antelope liver. Well, not a lot. There's not that many people that do this. Um, cooked it, sauteed some onions, try and get them sort of caramelized, and then put that in a like food processor with like cream cheese and some seasoning and tried to make just sort of like a really simple like like spread pate kind of thing dip. It improved it a lot, but not enough to like be complete. I think if I like went back at it again, I could palate it would be more palatable since i've had a lot more game meat since then but it was so gamey that it was just it was really strong it was kind of like 
the liver and onions was effectively like taking a huff of like antelope cologne every bite. Well, you did it. You, you did like a test <clears throat> one time of like the different ways that you can get game meat out of stuff with like you did like you had buttermilk and. Oh yeah. Yeah. To try and make, so I got a really ready, like the mule deer I shot, he was pretty ready. And so I did like, everybody has like their different ways to sort of, Oh, this meat is too gamey. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to brine it or soak it in buttermilk or there are all sorts of like claims of what to do. I, the one thing I haven't been able to try yet is aging it. So a lot of people, if you're, again, if you get this, if you listen to this episode, you won't have time to age any of the meat <laughs> before Thanksgiving. But a lot of people say aging the meat really helps. Um, I tried a few of those. I tried like the ones that besides aging. And the only one that worked for me was soaking it in buttermilk. But then to me, that sort of defeats the purpose of like hunting and like <clears throat> putting food on the table is like sort of like, at, you know, not having to buy meat in the grocery store. And then you get this meat and then you have to buy a ton of buttermilk to like soak. Cause it, you, you know, like when I did it, I had to like cover the meat in like cover a tenderloin in buttermilk, which is a lot of buttermilk. <laughs> And so then, then it felt like I was defeating the purpose. I'm like, well, now I'm, instead of spending the money on the beef, I'm just spending it on the buttermilk. You to should make. learn how to make your own buttermilk. Get a cow. Like, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> this is a rat hole. Maybe like, eventually you know, you this might be this sustainable and... <laughs> or more financially responsible, but it feels like a lot of upfront investment to make some gamey venison more palatable. The other thing. Well, and I mean, that was a part of our last year's conversation. I think it was last year about how expensive it actually is to get into hunting. Yeah. Yeah. I feel, and I've had this conversation with a couple of people since then. I feel like hunting in general is moving away from its sort of subsistence roots. Like there certainly are p- people that still hunt that way, but like it's getting. <laughs> you just, just, you just realizing that now, not the conservation movement and all the regulations to subsistence hunters in like West Yellowstone and, you know, yeah. Gardner, Montana. You're just realizing this now. <laughs> A little. I mean, it was all sort of up here knowledge, like kind of head knowledge, but then like live, it's becoming more real. And like, especially with, I'm getting a lot more suggested like follows on Instagram of hunting pages. And those are just making hunting seem bougier and bougier by the minute. Um, oh, and you know that I make hunting immensely bougie. There's, um, there are these... <laughs> Sorry, I just was trying to play with my hair um, and it failed miserably. Um, But anyways, I digress. There are these hunts now that you can go on that I really want to try. And so basically like you go and you hunt and then they have like a like a super good chef. And then you work with like so the first half of like your week is the hunt, which is not much of a hunt, I guess, because like you're pretty much guaranteed to get something because what do you do the last half of the week? But um, then you work with the chef and the chef teaches you how to break it down and how to make fancy meals. And I'm like, oh, I want to I think Ian McCollum told me about one of them. I think he did one. And I'm like, I am 100 percent in. Yeah. And I, I don't mean to imply that it's necessarily like wrong to like take that approach. I just, it is, I think a lot of people, one of the th- appealing things was like, all right, I'm going to put food on the table. I don't have to buy meat in the grocery store or whatever. Yeah. But I did the math one time and I'm at like $20 a pound for what I've harvested so far. Like, and that's just like big ticket expenses. That's not like the gas and the food and the time and all that stuff. That's just like yeah. hunting gear, rifle, ammo, and it, it adds up, but back to the ways to get the, the successful ways I've found to get the gaminess, if that is an issue for you, um, 
out of the meat is buttermilk work for me. Brining didn't really work. Um, I tried apple cider vinegar. Somebody suggested that that didn't really work for me. I don't know if I got the portions right, but buttermilk was the only one that I got to work consistently. I'd like to try aging um, at some point, but I haven't done that one yet. Um, because you don't have your elk yet. And then the one thing I tried that worked a little bit this year is actually I canned meat for the first time, canned game meat for the first time. And that one, that one helped. It didn't totally eliminate it. Sort of like buttermilk after a soak in that, it basically just tasted like red meat with a very, very mild venison taste. So it was like, it was a huge difference canning the meat. Um, it was, it changed it It made it more mild, but not as much. So it was like a less of a, less of a change for me. Yeah. Well, so I think that we should end on the saga of the way that you cook country fried steak and the way that I tried to. So, and this one came about for me, I started getting into cooking what I would call country fried steak or chicken fried. I guess I've seen it both ways, but I normally call it country fried is um, cause I mean, you're not really using chicken, right? I, mean, I don't know where that comes from. Is it cause of the egg water? Is it the sure. eggs? Yeah. We'll, we'll say it's that food etymologists don't listen anymore. We're making this yeah. up. Um, so the way that I came about this and applied it to game stuff is the neighbor that gave me some elk backstrap and I was super excited. I'm like, dang, good neighbor giving up like a primo cut of elk for me to try. And he gave me like several packs. Like it wasn't just like a package. It was like several packages. I'm like, man, nobody I mean, has been this generous with this kind of stuff yet. Are you kidding me right now? Well, Danny? This is before I will get to there in a second. This is before <laughs> Ashley gave me like 40 pounds of elk. <laughs> I was like, Hey, and the freezer and the freezer. So this is pre that. This is up until that okay. point. I should clarify. Okay. That. Okay. <laughs> For the record listeners, Ashley is one of the most generous people I've ever met in my life. Oh, don't. That's so nice. <laughs> Thank you. So this person gave me, it was probably like four pounds of elk backstrap. And I'm just like super psyched. Like, this is awesome. I, you know, nobody's ever given me that much elk backstrap. So I'm so, and they, like, they had been on like some industry hunt and they're like, tell me all about it. I'm like, sounds awesome. I take it back. <laughs> And I'm not a great game chef. I'm probably not even a great chef, but I know it, like I can cook a steak pretty decently. And so I just approached the first cut like I would cook a steak and kept it sort of lower, a little bit lower temp, you know, just to, cause that's what I'd read, you know, you don't want to dry it out. And it was incredibly tough. I mean, just like miserably tough to eat elk backstrap. And I, they must've killed some giant, super old bull. And it was, yeah. Remarkably tough meat. So then they I say sous vide is like the way to go with that, but my sous vide doesn't work. So I can't confirm or deny that. And I can barely pronounce sous vide. So I'm not willing to try it. Um, so then I was like, all right, well, maybe I'll try tenderizing it. So I did like a couple of tenderizing tricks, like again, like soaking it in um, like some marinades and then like trying some meat tenderizer, trying some other methods and none of that, like tried it a couple different ways. Nothing was getting this like back to edible. Uh, so then I decided to go back to my roots and growing up, mom would cook, um, cube steak, uh, pretty frequently. And that could be kind of tough sometimes. 
and she would always tenderize it and like hammer it out and then chicken fry it or country fry it. And I really enjoy that. So that's what I did with this elk is sort of, and I think you could, depending on the tenderness with a game, a cut of game meat, you could do this either way. So you could use like the old, um, you know, hammer and just like, like pound the meat out thin to get it tender. Or if it was tender enough, one of them, you could just do this with the, whatever cut you liked. The beef way is to use a cube steak cut and um, go from there. So what I do to cook my country fried steak is a double egg wash or double wash of flour. So um, maybe that's the wrong way to describe it, but flour, egg, flour. Um, and I usually put a little bit of seasoning in with the flour. So whatever season you like, salt, pepper, and whatever season you like goes in the flour and a little bit on the meat, but I mostly put it in the flour, flour, egg, flour, and then in a, the only way I've been able to like really get the crispiness is to do quite a bit of oil in the pan. So I do this in a cast iron skillet um, and I fill it pretty deep. So like almost the full like thickness of the meat. Um, I don't know if that's the recommended way. There's probably like an actual chef that might be listening to it, like cringing as I'm describing this, but it's worked well for me and get it real high temp. Um, you don't want the oil to be, you want it, the oil to be nice and hot. Um, throw it in there, fry it. You'll be able to like see it crisp up on the edges. And as it starts to cook over the edges, then I'll flip it um, and get it crispy on the other side. And pulling that out has been like, and cooking with elk in particular has been one of my favorite ways to do this. I like a good country fried steak. I think it's really, really good with elk um, if you go to the trouble. So I tried this based on Danny's directions. And I partially, I honestly think it's just our elk's kind of nasty. Um, like it tastes great in meatballs, but like, mm, not great in anything else. I mean, maybe I should try soaking it in buttermilk, but I'm pretty sure that won't help my lactose intolerance. Um, but yeah, so I tried to do this and I can't, I'm trying to remember like what I did wrong. I think I like, there was too much flour in what I was doing. Um, I can't recall if I used pork rinds cause usually I do flour, egg, um, like an egg wash or I have to, sometimes I have to sub it, but then I do pork rinds like mm. a breadcrumb. Mm. Um, but I think ultimately what happened was that the elk tasted kind of nasty. And then the sauce had too much. Um, I think I made the sauce in the pan once the steak was done and it was just too floury and I don't yeah. use regular flour. I use almond flour, Yeah. Uh, which I need to like, I'm kind of curious. Cause like my husband's keto. So like, I can't, like I use almond flour for everything except baking. Cause that's a nightmare. Um, it, it does not work, not translatable, but, um, I wonder, I've been wondering recently if almond flour breaks down in a roux the same way that regular flour does. And I'm thinking maybe it doesn't. And maybe that's why sometimes my sauces have a weird flowery texture to them. And that could be, I've never, I haven't ever tried to make this like any dietary need friendly. So I've used like regular eggs, regular flour. Like, um, I think the one thing that is, that I will do for when I coat the flour the first time, I keep it pretty thin. And then when it goes back in the second time, um, sometimes I'll even do it as like a separate dish. I'll put a lot more breadcrumbs in that side. So like the first one, I just try and keep to like plain flour. And then I don't know if that makes a difference or not, but then I try and do I, like panko or something like that. And the, and the second time it goes in the flour, but yeah, I can see that. Cause I've never tried to make the gravy. I, then I always do like a white gravy over it. Usually I make it in the pan after the, I think I did something with mushrooms. Yeah. I was trying to be fancy and yeah. it just, 
like overall, like I think it, like it, I was like this had potential yeah. and I just didn't do it exactly the way you you had it. I just think that the elk wasn't very good. Yeah. And but, that could be it. You know, in an embarrassing moment, I had to like post on social media asking people what kind of steak I had. I don't know my cuts at all. So like I don't either. And like um the the way that the butcher packages it in my you know in, in my world, he doesn't label it. <laughs> so I like was like, I'm defrosting this, having no clue yeah, what yeah, this yeah. is. And then I look at it and I'm like, why does this look like you know wrinkly? And, you know, like I was, I was trying that with what is normally a very good cut of elk that people might want to just enjoy as its own steak rather than like do this mess with. I don't know if you should use the tenderized elk meat, stew meat, whatever people said it was. Yeah. Uh, But I was like, why does my steak look like this? (laughs) (laughs) A great, a great question to ask at the end of any recipe. (laughs) It was at the beginning. Well. Apparently, I'm bored by our podcast because I just yawned in the middle of my statement. Yeah, hopefully you heard about a new recipe listeners and can try something maybe in time for Thanksgiving or maybe in time for a Christmas dinner. Christmas, yeah. Yeah. So holiday. And recipe. you now know about mini beef Wellingtons and the chef that you can go with. And try <laughs> antelope dinner. pate at your own risk. And I will have to report back in our Christmas episode if someone takes a note what the Costco caviar tasted like. I want a full report of your meal. Your Thanksgiving meal sounds amazing. I hope it is. Um, This is the first time I've made all of these things. (laughs) So we'll see what happens. But that's also kind of how I I do. Um, But we hope you enjoyed this. We hope you have a good Thanksgiving if you celebrate Thanksgiving. I don't know. I feel like some people don't. Uh, if you're in England, you know, then us Americans were weird. Um, and we will do a Christmas special, but we haven't figured out what that will be yet. Although I was totally thinking while you were talking, because I'm, I'm a good listener like that. We did die hard last year. And at the end of it, Larry mentioned another movie that he said, an action movie that he says is a Christmas movie that I can't remember, but we can pull up the episode. So maybe we'll do that. Maybe teaser Christmas episode teaser. We don't even know. We don't even know. We'll talk to you guys later. See ya.